Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is a post Independence Day version of the Sunday card. We took last week off to celebrate this great nation. And now we get to come back and continue our positional rankings episode as we inch closer and closer. We are less than 75 days away from the NFL season. Can you believe it? In fact, in two weeks' time, Maddie, all teams will be reporting to training camp. You can smell it. OTAs are right around the corner. You can mm. smell the sweat on the old pads after two-a-days coming in, hitting the <laughs> weight room afterwards. We are ready to roll into the football season here. Very excited. Very excited. As soon as you hit that post uh, – Independence Day, post July Fourth, it is we're sprinting, sprinting right towards Labor Day in football. I, I must say, I went golfing today. hadn't picked up in a stick in six weeks, right? And shot pretty well. But I go, I smell the outdoor grass, and I say, smells like two a days. And in my case, back when I played, three a days. So it was like I could, you could really begin to really take note of the scent of NFL of, of football and football season really is coming up very, very quickly as we go through uh, Dan Zampano, Maddie Ice, Maddie C, Matt Silberth. You've already heard both of us. Our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone. Lou, I mean, we're in the dog days, man. I know that like hockey's over, basketball's over. I know you're watching summer league. I know you are, but we're following. I mean, the- you're following the Knicks. Is that what you said? The Knicks Summer League. Hey, we, we got to get a ring somehow, buddy, okay? They're giving out <laughs> rings at the Summer League. All right, we got to get a ring. ring, okay? Put a banner up in MSG. <laughs> we got to do what we got to do. They're going to retire Grimes' number by the time we're done in the Summer League, all right? Well, it's, good to it's, see you, too. Uh, New York Knicks Summer. That's great. Okay. Summer League champs. Uh, how was your uh, Independence Day, Lou? Oh, it was fantastic. Fantastic. Matt grilled it up. Matt, Matt. Chef Matt was firing away on the grill on the, mm. on the yeah, I, I can't even don't get me started. I just had some dinner. I, you're gonna make me hungry again. <laughs> I love it. I didn't know Maddie was, was that great of a cook. Bar- barbecue and brews, it's all we do for, oh. for, for independent. That was that was a long weekend of just barbecue and brews right there. Oh, don't worry. I mean, uh, lots of fireworks, lots of fireworks. That too. Fantastic. Very much enjoyed it. Um, let's Let's get into it, shall we? Uh, before we get into positional rankings, we're back on our little quiz show version here. This little segment this week. I came up with a question for you, Maddie, and you're going to answer it here. And Lou, if you have any like thoughts, and you can chime in, uh, give me the three coaches, the three coaches that most need to win this year. And in other words, who has the most pressure on them to win this year? Let's go three to one in that in that you know, in that order. So go right ahead, sir. Ooh, see, I had a hard time. I didn't necessarily rank these, but I'll, okay. I'll, I'll take my three here. Cause it feels like the obvious choice, you know, as you're saying pressure, I'm thinking in a little hot seat, maybe some guys that have been building a team for a while have had a good team, but they haven't really done anything with it. And again, I think the clear easy apple off the tree, is Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, hot oh. seat. I mean, Dallas Cowboys, you know, they've been, they've been, Offensive firepower. The defense was really good last year. And then, I mean, as soon as Sean Payton, quote unquote, retired last year, everybody was just putting him into the Cowboys head coaching spot until 
you know, just waiting on Mike McCarthy to mess up. So I'm going to put Mike McCarthy, Dallas Cowboys head coach, because they've always got the most pressure on them out of any team in the NFL. They're America's oh. team. They've always got the hype and the attention on them. That's kind of why I left them off. They always have pressure on them. You know, like it's, it's, it comes with the territory, but you're right. Absolutely. I mean, Mike McCarthy, if they do not, the Cowboys have not been into an NFC title game since 1995. So they have all the horses to do it. It's a matter of putting the pieces together. I went close to home. I think it's Bill Belichick. I really do believe that. I think that's my number three. And I'll tell you why. I mean, he has nothing to prove, but now we're in a new era and the Patriots have not won a playoff game since beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. So the fact that they made the playoffs last year was very, you know, surprising to a lot of people, especially with a rookie quarterback. Now all those guys are coming back. They're all in their second year under the system. But where do we get the offensive coordinator position settled? finally mm-hmm. in September. Will we even have a named offensive coordinator? Like who's going to be calling the plays? I don't think we know. And to be honest, I think that puts a lot more pressure on Bill Belichick to win without any experience really of anybody calling plays in the NFL. Uh, Joe Judge did a little bit last year and it didn't go well as a head coach. And then Matt Patricia is a DC. So this is his first year doing that. So It'll be exciting to see, but I'm going to give it to Belichick and the idea that he's getting older and they have not won. They could go a full presidential cycle here without winning the playoff game. Yeah, he's got to, I guess he's got to be able to keep up now with, you know, the Tom versus Bill debate. Was it who was, who was running the ship more so, who was more responsible for the victories? And Tom's got the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's not so easy for Bill because he, got his franchise quarterback stripped away and he can't just go hop to one. Like, mm-hmm. They can just go hop to a new team with the full roster, but. They've been building to it. I could see that. I, I almost put him on here, but you know, I had I had an inkling that you were uh, putting him on the hot seat. You I'm hire, putting. You want to fire Bill Belichick after the season? I, that's what I heard. Well, if that's what you heard, then I'm making things up. I mean, I want to put a little pressure on on BB. I, I think he needs a little bit this year. Go ahead, number two. Number two. I think this might be a guy that we both have on this list, and I'm not sure. Cliff Kingsbury, mm. Arizona Cardinals. Again, the young hot shot, the big wig, the Mr. Cool with the sunglasses on the sideline and the infinity pool in the background uh, wearing no socks and loafers. But he hasn't won anything. I mean, he he hasn't really had any major success. Obviously, he's been stuck in one of the hardest divisions now. I've, I've, you've had the 49ers and the Rams be very good this entire time he's been there. But we have a narrative on the show of, of Cliff and – uh, after was it November, October? I got to go back to our notes as far as a certain halfway point in the season where he just seems to really underperform his teams, underperform, and they haven't made the playoffs and then or just don't win any playoff games, they get knocked out first round. So, I think Cliff Kingsbury, it's yeah, he's he's losing a little bit of the shine if he just keeps coming out and losing. I, I just don't know where Cliff Kingsbury ever even got any shine to begin with. I mean. Outside of most handsome, he's never won anything in his life. I mean, seriously. Just so, a young head coach that's supposed to be the next big thing. That's all it is. It's all just hype. The last thing he ever won was prom king. I mean, that's literally it, you know? <laughs> so it's like, to me, I, I don't think there's any more. I might pa- call him prom Kingsbury this year. I might call him that this whole year. I, yeah, I kind of like that. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, there's no bigger pressure than any coach. He was number one on my list. I mean, like... He should be flat out gone 
if he does not perform this year, if they can't win a playoff game and step forward from where they were, they've taken steps each year. They got to win this year. They have to, especially mm-hmm. with the fact the 49ers are, you know, grooming a young quarterback, you know, Seattle's way out, you know, you really only do with the Rams. You should make the playoffs and you should, you know, win a playoff game. That's what Kingsbury should do. I completely agree with you. I, I, which leaves me with my final one here. And I, I love the guy, but I, I think he really needs to show up and, Rule of thumb is that you got to win this game. So don't break that rule, Matt Rule. I think that's what we need to do. I think we need Matt Rule, and we're going to get into this because this is going to be the first item on our on our news and notes is now you have a viable starting quarterback. Do we? Well, well, it's, it's an open quarterback competition. Apparently. Exam, apparently. the silliest freaking thing I've heard oh this entire gosh. offseason. It's, it's great to get to see two guys from the same draft class gut it out for a spot. And neither of them are on the team that drafted them, which is amazing. So um, it's do or die. I mean, the Panthers should be, should be with Baker Mayfield contending for a playoff spot. Like they have a good enough roster, I think, and we'll get into it next week. They should now, because that was the whole thing. I mean, they were just playing on defense the entire game for every single game they were playing. I mean, you take away – it's like the mini version of going from Jameis to Tom Brady for the Bucks. That's kind of what it is. Darnold is just turning the ball over so much. And Baker, does he have some turnover problems? Yeah, but nowhere near what Sam Darnold does. So I think Matt Rule's got a lot of pressure on him. He could be out the door too. Yeah, I had – again, I, I kind of had four names on this list, and I was like, all right, we're going to get narrowed down. And that Matt Rule was on there. And I, I almost thought you were going to go this other way with the other guy I'm going to throw out here now because it's another guy that we like. But again, I think it's time to put up or shut up because we've been kind of doing this quarterback carousel with, oh, this is the guy. Oh, no, wait, maybe this is the guy. Oh, no, wait. Oh, now we got Matty Ice in town. And I think Frank Reich, the quarterback whisperer, needs to get that quarterback to the playoffs. Now, they made the playoffs with Phillip Rivers, correct? Yeah. He had there, but then they lost to the Titans. The Bills. The Bills. Um, So, made it with Phillip Rivers. Obviously, the tragedy that happened last year and, and week 17 in Jacksonville, uh, not making the playoffs. But I think Frank Reich, again, it's like, it, it, again, every quarterback comes in, it's like, oh, now Frank Reich could do it. Oh, now he could do it. So it's like, all right, how many times are we going to keep going around this? And with the best offensive line in football, with the number one running back from last year, a great defense, like, how many times are we going to give you a chance, especially not even making the playoffs last year? Mm. So I think he's really got to, really got to do something this year, Mr. Frank Reich. Boy, Andrew Luck really killed that franchise, didn't he? Just killed it. How different things would be today. Oh, man. It's just what could have been. What could have been. I agree with you. I I like that idea. Frank Reich does need to get this team going. Losing his defensive coordinator. They bring in Gus Bradley. That should be kind of interesting. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not a huge believer in the Colts. You are much more than I do. Um, But we'll definitely see. We'll see where that goes. So we got a lot of good names, like five names on that list. So. Interesting. Mm. Interestingly enough, let's go to the NFL news and notes. Like we just said, Baker Mayfield traded to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional fifth round pick, which is amazing value for the Panthers to to give up. I mean, the Panthers had to make this deal. Does this, and in my estimation, it does, but I want to get your feeling. Do you think that the Panthers can be a playoff team with the roster now? Yeah. And I think they're absolutely contending for a wild card spot this year. I mean, again, it felt like, Again, their defense, as much as they were on the field, 
75% of the time last year, they were balling out. I mean, they were, they were really the first half of the year that defense was playing uh, outstanding. And then again, Sam Darnold quickly got figured out and, and just started falling apart all over the place. And I did want to highlight this. I think Lewis would appreciate this. When I was watching NFL live earlier today and they were talking about the quarterback comparison, all of a sudden they're showing only, the only Baker highlights they shoot, showed were him throwing interceptions. And I was like, I, tr- I think they're trying to make this quarterback comparison more of a thing. And it's like, we're not even close. Like we're not like Baker's getting the job. Say you don't bring in another quarterback. If you like what you had Sam Darnold, cause they already had to give up conditional picks and such for him. Like Baker's coming in to be the starting quarterback. And he absolutely gives them much more of a chance to win because we have to discount the downturn that he had in the back half of last year. Cause we know he was playing with a shoulder injury and he was forcing himself into the lineup and wanting to get in and, and, and you know, Coaching should have pulled him out, but it didn't happen. And he looked horrible out there with what he had. So, again, I think that I mean, it's another reason I just wish they had Joe Brady still. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they, gave, like, they gave up on that that system that they could have had, that offense they could have had with a quality quarterback running it. Uh, but, again, I still think that Matt Rule can get it done with this team. Um, they lost some pieces on defense, but if they could still, you know, stay in that top half of the league as far as defense goes, uh, I think Baker's serviceable enough to – help them get some wins. Do you know who their offensive coordinator is now? Is it Joe judge? No, he's with new England. Oh, uh, this is really funny. Ben McAdoo. Would be oh, okay. I was, okay. I was close. I knew it was, yeah. I'm like, it's an Something old Giants, Giants. head coach. Yep. It's an there old Giants head coach. There you go. There you go. I, I'm not so sure. Like, I think Baker should win this job, but you think about it, the Browns are paying half a salary. They only gave up a fifth-round pick for him. Darnold's getting paid, I think, more money from the Panthers themselves. I mean, it's not that far-fetched to think, like, if Darnold outplays him in training camp or what have you, like, I do think there's somewhat of a competition. I just don't think it's close. I do think Baker really gives them a lot better chance to win. Uh, the next one, this is such a ridiculous story. I cannot believe they did this. The field name change of Heinz Field for the Steelers is just awful. It is the most corporate sellout thing I have ever seen. Remember Chris Barman would call it the big ketchup bottle? And it was like the best. That was like such a cool name. And it's ketchup. That's like so Pittsburgh. That's their name's name after ketchup. And now it's acupuncture stadium or whatever this weird insurance thing is called. Acrishore, I can't even say the name. Uh, Acrishore Field, I guess, or Acrishore Stadium is now the new name of the Steelers. What a horrible thing! Yeah, it just just got awful. Like you said, I mean, there's nothing that fit better than like Heinz ketchup on a well done steak in Pittsburgh. Like you know, I mean, it it, it just made perfect sense going along with the Steelers and them. Uh, and, like, I mean, that was like literally the uh, bartender the other day. I was saying she's a Pittsburgh fan. She's like. When we scored touchdowns, the ketchup bottles would go off. She's like, it's an entire part of the team and the stadium. She was very upset. She was livid when I was talking to to this woman about the Pittsburgh Steelers changing the name of their their stadium the other day. I so, would be too. From the fans of Pittsburgh, condolences. Condolences. What, what Yingling is not available? Like, I mean, <laughs> Come seriously, on Come on. Pennsylvania. What would you change it to? What would you think? Like, what Pittsburgh? Like. Any ideas, Lewis? You're completely allowed to speak. A, a, a steel mill, like Dewalt, like Dewalt, like <laughs> power tools. I don't know. 
Stanley Black and Decker Stadium. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe something steel worker. Crypto.com uh, field. That's no, no. <laughs> that is, that's the only thing that's worse than this. Yeah. California. That's oh how I look God. at it, though. I compare those two. Them changing Staples Center to that. And then this is it's very like we got to keep something sacred. It's hey, God, come, on. come on. I know. Whatever Tradi- happened? Whatever happened to like places that you named like the Coliseum or the Palace at Auburn Hills or the Orange Bowl, like all these great names. And now we get Akrashar failed. Like, what are we doing? I mean, all, all these owners and corporations want to do is just find more space to sell ad revenue. Oh. You know what I mean? Like I said, NHL, we're, NHL and NBA, we're getting on the freaking uniforms, the helmets of the uniforms, mm-hmm. which just makes me sick until, like I said, all of a sudden I'm going to be, it's like I'm watching the MLS and I don't know what the team's name is because it just says Xbox or Delta or something across their entire chest. I don't know what the team's name is because I can't see it anywhere on their uniform. I don't even know what town they play in. Let's look at the score bug. But we're going to sell advertisements all over. It's going to uh, be like NASCARs. It's t- yeah, like patches on NASCAR. Hey, what's what's the Broncos stadium now? Like, what, how many names has it gone? Yeah, pure, pure Life, Pure, pure Life, <laughs> Walmart, whatever the Walmart brand is. Walmart Stadium at Mile High. Okay, whatever. That's another great name, Mile High Stadium. So perfect. Oh, it's so frustrating. Uh, last one here. We did it. We traded Nikhil Harry. Let's go. <laughs> we finally did it. Not for a seventh round pick this year. For 2024, seventh round pick to the Bears. That's how bad the Bears didn't even want to give this year's pick. I was going to say that is going to, it's going to be a very good uh, transition into our, our, our positional rankings because boy, the bears are desperate. If like the fact that Andy was like, who's trading for Nikhil Harry? Yeah. The Chicago bears. (laughs) That makes about sense. And they're trading for a guy that as of looking at depth charts today, get ready for this. He doesn't even crack the top of the depth chart. I don't think obviously there's going to be training camp battles and stuff, but man, like who would pay anything for that guy? Worst first round pick, maybe in the last last twenty first years. Rounder, that oh, is horrible, terrible, just terrible. Oh, one of the worst picks Bills ever made. I don't want to talk about it anymore. That guy's out. Who, who's, your, who's your boy from Chattanooga? Is he going to be better than him? He's gonna be <laughs> Mister Strange. He's Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. That's right. Boom! Just hitting people on the pads. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. So excited for Dr. Strange opening portals, opening holes. Uh, I love it. Okay, let's get to the NFC North. This is so good. NFC North uh, positional rankings. We rank the quarterbacks, running backs, pass catchers, defenses, and coaches in each division. Only three more divisions to go, so let's get through it. QBs, this was probably the easiest list we've done so far. No question. Uh, You want to go first? Yeah, I think I think we could be cut and dry here. There's not too much to go off of here. We'll start at the top because we both say it. Our number one quarterback that we both hold as the number mm-hmm. one quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, clearly, you could debate it in the NFL. You can't debate it in this division. He is the number one. Number two, Kirk Cousins. I know there's jokes about Kirk Cousins. I know that he might not be the best in the world, but there is no doubt that he is a serviceable, uh, above serviceable quarterback. Completion percentage. I mean, can he win the big games? That is where really push comes to shove with Kirk Cousins. But putting up the regular season stats, more than capable of it. Number three, 
believe it or not, Jared Goff finds his way not at the bottom of the list here. Jared Goff gets the number three spot here. I mean, he you know hit the three spot, did fairly well with Dan Campbell last year. I thought they were going to be much worse than they were, but I think he found himself a little system. You know, I mean, he clearly like won plenty of games with the Rams, so he could take that over. And then Justin Fields has got to be number four. I mean, he had just an all-time bad rookie season again things were stacked against him with the coaching decisions. And uh, he was trying to run an offense that was planned for Andy Dalton uh, instead of something that, you know, maybe could use all of Justin Fields athleticism that he has. Uh, I had below 60% completion percentage last year. I saw another thing I saw on NFL live today. Like I think he had a 24 QBR rating, but 24, the Mm. worst in the NFL. So cut and dry, cut and dry. 24 QBR, 73.2 passer rating. Just really not good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's absolutely the, the list. Uh, just real quick on Kirk Cousins. I mean, we talk about Kirk Cousins as this, we, uh, you know, can't win a big game, Mr. You know, Sunday night, poops his pants type of deal. But Kirk Cousins played 16 games last year. And if you compare the numbers to Aaron Rodgers, these are them. I mean, yards. Cousins had more yards thrown than Aaron Rodgers. He played in one more game than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, touchdowns, Rodgers 37, Cousins 33. Interceptions, Rodgers 4, Cousins 7. Completion percentage, Rodgers 69%, Kirk 66%. Uh, Rodgers 7.8 yards per attempt, Cousins 7.5. Rodgers led the league in pass rating 111.3, blew everyone out of the water. But Cousins was fourth. He was 103.1. I mean, we we don't talk about Kirk Cousins as like this God quarterback, but like, and he's not a God quarterback. He's good. He's good. He's a good quarterback. He's good. He's got good weapons. And then yep. now again, you, now you don't have a, one of the old head, one of the, you know, the old guard of the NFL and Zimmer running that team for the, like the entire time that he's been in Minnesota. And you've got a young Nick Vay product, Kevin O'Connell coming in mm. to now see like, I am again, we, we kind of went over this earlier when we were going over wind totals and stuff like that. Like, little excited to see what Minnesota could do this year with, with a new head coach and maybe a new look of an offense yeah. uh, and see if Kirk can flex a little bit. I, I, the more I looked into him, the more I am starting to see what you're seeing here and, and going through the list. This, this division has elite quarterback, good quarterback, literally the most average quarterback ever. <laughs> and of just a absolute dumpster fire quarterback so far. So, and honestly feels was just set up to fail last year. I think he's actually pretty good. Yeah, I say, I mean, we really, uh, you know, this year is, I think, the start of how we can start judging Justin Fields. Like, again, okay. last year was just such a disaster with that whole organization. Not that it might be any better this year. Yeah, we'll talk about the new OC coming up in coaching and coaching and see exactly what he's got planned. Running backs, let's get to it. This was a, we may have a disagreement. We may have a disagreement here. Like, I, it was hard for me to go through this. I'll go first. Um, I went Minnesota number one. And which is a little surprising, I know, but uh, Alex Madison being able to carry that backfield while Dalvin Cook is out, I think is a really good trait for him. Had over 600 yards uh, rushing and and Cook had 1,200 yards rushing. And that's a really good combination if you can get that. Plus, they're both, I think, pretty good pass catching options out of the backfield. The only thing is they really don't have anybody back outside of that past that second guy. They do have a couple of guys here that I'm, I'm just looking at the roster here. Um, a couple of rookies. So it, it's not necessarily deep, but the two guys there, I do really like number two. I went green Bay. I don't think that's a surprise. 
Jones and Dylan were a great combination. You know, AJ Dylan actually led the Packers in rushing last year. He had four more yards than Aaron Jones did. So that was kind of interesting to me. I would be interested to see if he could be the pass catching option that Aaron Jones totally is. Uh, and, and this will be the most um, utilized that they will be since Aaron Rodgers got both of these guys on the roster. I think they're really going to highly use them. I also like Kylan Hill, who's a third string backup. Um, I think he's a good third option. So did go there, but I just like the Madison Cook combination a tick more. They are like neck and neck. It could be 1A, 1B with uh, with Jones and Dylan. Number three, this might surprise you, but I went Chicago here. I went, I want Montgomery, and I know that that Swift, I think, is going to be uh, the counter argument to this, but I like the backups too. I like the room uh, better than Detroit's. I like Khalil Herbert. I thought he had uh, a decent job of, of filling in for Montgomery when he was hurt. They also added Darrington Evans, who was just in a crowded backfield in Tennessee. He comes over from Chicago. I think he'll definitely play a role here now. Uh, was drafted a couple of years ago by the Titans at Appalachian State. I like his I like his plays scat back. Uh, and then I went Detroit at just barely a tick under them. Swift, I love, but Swift wasn't on the field a lot. And, you know, he's, he's had some injury issues. And Jamal Williams behind him uh, is a good number two, but I'm not sure he carries a backfield. I know they had guys like Tom Kennedy and guys like that have to play last year as well. And I like the kid Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State, but unproven commodities. So I want Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, and Detroit. Okay, that's that's an interesting list. I say we definitely we will have some variation here as opposed to the quarterback room. So number one here, I, I did go. I put Green Bay first because, again, I, I think that you said they're so close because I, I see Cook and Madison the same way as I see I see. Um, Dylan and Jones because like they but I think there's a little bit more complimentary like Madison and Cooker even scary even down to the dreads and all like when you can't see their number it's like you almost have a hard time telling who's running the ball yeah for the Vikings when you're watching them because they kind of do the same thing but I, I like that the different aspects that that Dylan and Jones give because you know Dylan's a really good goal line back like short yard situation and then Aaron Jones is is one of the better pass catching backs as well as getting it done on early downs and running outside zone with speed. Um, and I just think that what they offer as a whole room complementing each other, that you can switch those guys in the, throughout the entire game, not even whether of injury or not, like in and out of the lineup, like you're going to get different looks with those guys. They bring them on the field at the same time, a lot of, you know, because they could do so many different things. So I like what they complement each other with. Mm. I have Detroit as, as number two. Wow. I mean, okay. Again, I know what you're saying about DeAndre Swift. I think when I see DeAndre Swift now in comparison to like Dalvin Cook, where I'm putting this, because I have Minnesota three, we'll just put it there. Um, I think DeAndre Swift now, you need younger running backs. Running backs don't last as long in this league. And Swift is the next guy. Swift, I think, with what he brought, yes, he only, you know, wasn't on the field a ton, but he had 62 receptions last year. What he does out of the backfield in a passing aspect is really, really special. He is, ex I mean, explosive as explosive gets in the NFL right now can create, you know, all of the offense on his own, even given nothing. Um, and I think Jamal, and then Jamal Williams is your classic between the tackles guy going to get it done if you need him in short yardage situation. So I just think that the potential and the room for growth for DeAndre Swift this year is exponential. I mean, he can have 75 receptions, 75 to 80 receptions this year. I think coming hmm. out of that, coming out of that team, he hit 62 last year and he didn't even play a full season. So, um, uh, I put them there and like I said, Minnesota three, 
Dalvin Cook's great, serviceable. Again, Alexander Madison is his copycat right behind him, um, and they get the job done. But I just feel like we've, again, we've seen them for quite a few years now, and it's like it, it, it falls off a little bit for me. So I, I think Swift and the potential. And then again, I, I like Chicago. I think Montgomery's good. I really do like Khalil Herbert. I'm glad you brought him up. I think he had a really good year last year with what he was able to do. But still, I'm not going to put him above any of those other two. All you know, all these running back rooms have like a, a one-two punch yeah. with them. Yeah. So it, it was hard to compare it that way. Uh, and I didn't go too much further down the depth chart as far as with the running backs. I mean, you could talk about injury risk with any running back in the NFL. It's like the most injured position, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah. uh, you can't weigh that too much into this decision making. So and that's fair. And that's fair. The thing about Chicago, I think that really hurts them is if we factor in the offensive lines of this, I mean, it's not even close between Detroit and Chicago. It's just a disadvantage, so, yeah. Right. It's just, to me, I think Cook has just done this consistently over a long period of time, and I think he earns the right to have a little bit of leeway when it comes to injuries because you know that you know that he's going to produce no matter what. Swift, good player, like really good player. I think I, I completely agree with you. I think he could absolutely ball out for this team, especially in the – in the, in the setup now this year. Okay. Pass catchers. Here we go. This ought to be kind of an interesting conversation. I mean, I would be surprised if we differed, but we'll see. Let me, let me hear what you have to say. I, I, I this is another one. I think that was pretty clear cut. Uh, again, if we want to go top to bottom, you're going to take the team that has the best wide receiver overall, and they've got the best core and that's Minnesota Vikings. I mean, Justin nice. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson is a top, three wide receiver in this league i would say you know you top, top yeah i say top top, top two, two. Says. <laughs> top two i mean you could you can make arguments but i mean he's top three as far as athletic ability explosiveness all the route running the hands like he he brings it all to the table um you still got mr golden hands adam thielen and then you've got a guy uh in kj osborne who can talk about explosiveness really good um you know either out of the slot or you know put him as a burner on the outside and run feeling let feeling work that slot um like he wants to um as well as a big uh Irv smith if i'm not yep. saying still still on the team so mm-hmm. uh he's he's a good addition to that pass catching group number two detroit i get it they had nice. a couple guys i think that came along last year between um tj hawkinson really having a good season uh, at the tight end position i'm starting again starting the the pass catching conversation with with a tight end, TJ Hawkinson, but, but man, he is good. He is such a good, you know, I think a perfect fit for a guy like Jared Goff. Again, like mm-hmm. real safety blanket, not getting too far from the line of scrimmage. We're just going to dink and dunk our way down the field. Amon Ross St. Brown back half fantasy players who had Amon Ross St. Brown, like made the playoffs when they shouldn't have maybe won a playoff game when they shouldn't have. Uh, and then they bring in Jameson Williams from Alabama this year, just to add another, another just jolt to that offense and, and that group. Uh, so Detroit, number two, and we could talk about it, DeAndre Swift, in that conversation because that's going to have some kind of receptions. Uh, <laughs> number three, again, you would think that this team is the worst, but Green Bay Packers, okay. I think, are number three here because they, you know, they've got not what they used to have, but Sammy Watkins. Uh, man, I don't know where we're going to go with Sammy Watkins this year. Mm. Will score two touchdowns week one, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed doesn't like. I'll have another time. one the rest of the year. Fools <laughs> everybody. Number one waiver wire pickup. Uh, Alan Lazard, we're going to see if he's going to be the number one. Uh, Christian Watson now, the, you know, the, the rookie coming in. Uh, and then I like Robert Tunyon, but he's going to be out until like week 15, 16, I think, with, with his injury. So yeah. uh, and the only reason they don't get last year is because Chicago 
I mean, we like, I know we both like so Darnell bad. Mooney, but Byron Pringle. And then I didn't know any of these other names after this. Like I recognized Byron Pringle. He was the fifth option on Kansas city last year. Uh, <laughs> now he's your number two. Velas, Velas Jones, Jr. Yes. Okay. So I just drafted Velas Jones in my dynasty league. And like the, there's only four rounds in dynasty league. He was like the last pick of our draft. And he was the only guy left that I was like, Wow, Velas Jones is a 25 year old rookie. No way, out of Tennessee. Okay, and this kid can absolutely fly, but he drops everything. I mean, he just, I mean, I hope to God he works out. I put him on a taxi squad, he's not playing for me this year, but like, man, it's tough. You're a hundred percent. I mean, it's going to be a battle for that, for that fourth receiver is between uh, Tajay Sharp. Dante Pettis and Nikhil here. I mean, we are that like <laughs> just the land of misfit wide receivers that we've landed up with. Like those guys have all just had their chances on rosters of rosters that didn't have good receiving groups. And they were like, again, the fourth or fifth option. And oh. they're still in that spot now. Cole Komet yeah. though. I love, I love Cole Komet, <laughs> but there's only so much that there's only so much a tight end, like a kind of an average tight end could do. I just, I, you know, that's anything that anyone could ever say about like the Bears is, yeah, they got a good tight end though. <laughs> tight end's not bad. Well, they usually always got eighteen of them. Like they usually have like at least ten on the roster. So every uh, you year, can find one you like. Every year, I think we're talking about uh, Marty Bennett. No, not not bad. Jimmy Graham's not bad. Cole Komet, not that bad. I mean, like that's all they have. That's all they have going for them. I mean, Mooney. I'm not gonna doubt Mooney's a good receiver. There's no question. But uh, outside of that, there's just not equanimous St. Brown. I mean, it's just. Yeah, they got the wrong St. Brown. Wrong St. Brown. St. Brown division. Uh, yeah, I have the same exact roster. Or same exact roster. Same exact order. As I said, I said Jefferson's number two in the league. Uh, kid out of Michigan State, Jared Naylor, I think you're going to like. I think he'll be like the Osborne part two. Uh, just a kid. That they did a ton of jet sweeps with him. Gadget player, uh, track star in high school, was a four times all state champion and track in California. I mean, he's a really, really special kid. So I like Naylor. Detroit, I, I had number two as well for Hawkinson reasons. They also have DJ Chark. Uh, yes, they added, I didn't mention that. Yep. They added, they added him. I do like Quintez Cephas and Josh Reynolds as your four and five. I think those are solid four and fives. Uh, and Jamison Williams is adding to that. Jamison Williams is going to be able to take the top off. And once he's healthy, man, whoo, look out. If they just had a better quarterback, I think we'd be way more excited about Detroit this year because they, they have mm-hmm. some weapons. And I, I knew you were going to bring up Quintez Cephas because I know I remember you brought him up last year and he is, he, he can play. He can play. He can play. And he played at Wisconsin. If you can play receiver and get drafted out of Wisconsin, then you can play in the NFL. I promise you. Because nobody ever throws in Wisconsin. Uh, so the fact that he found his way to the league is incredible. Green Bay's the Green Bay's roster is like this. They have two guys each of the same receiver. So they got their big guys, they got their medium guys, and they got their small guys. They've got um, Lazard and Christian Watson, the 6'5 burner. Uh, one's a 6'5 burner. The other's a 6'5 just possession receiver in Lazard. They're both going to be learning from each other. Then they've got Sammy Watkins and Romeo Dobbs, who they drafted in Nevada, who Rogers talked about this week and that he, he really liked him. They've been working with him. Dobbs was a great athlete for Carson Strong. I watched him a lot last, last year at Nevada. I think he was an excellent athlete. He'll learn really good from Sammy Watkins. And then they got their two little guys in Randall Cobb, uh, will, who will teach Amari Rogers. So, uh, and I like, and I love Amari Rogers coming out. 
I, I, I still think there's hope for him, but he's got to come up this year and he's also a punt return option. So um, glider gliding receiver, no question about that. Uh, so yeah, Minnesota, Detroit, Green Bay, Chicago. Perfect. Excellent job. Yeah. On the money there. So two out of three, two out of three where we are uh, unanimous. All right. So here we go. And this is always the most interesting because it gives us a whole encapsulation of defense. And this is a hard one because you had a lot of guys change teams on defenses in this division. Um, You had a lot of additions through the draft in this division. So there's a lot of rookies that I really like on all of these defenses. So let's have at it right now. Um, I'm passing it to you here. You're passing it to me? I want want you to go first on this one. I'm going to go four through one just to build suspense. Uh, And I think – Clear cut. Clear cut four here, I think, is Chicago. And, you know, for all of the things about Chicago – the one thing they did last year that was really good was they sacked the quarterback. They were fourth in the league in sacks last year. However, you might know a guy who's not on their team anymore. His name's Khalil Mack. And you might know a guy that they're actively shopping to trade, and his name is Robert Quinn. Um, there's no question about it. I think a team will very much benefit from Robert Quinn when when he is traded. I'm, I'm saying it's when because it really is. Um I look at this team, not a lot of guys that stick out in terms of even knowing who they are. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I see Roquan Smith here, um, middle linebacker, not much outside of that at linebacker. Um, I see Jalen Johnson, the corner, Eddie Jackson, who used to, I feel like he used to be really good. And now is kind of, you know, he just gets a lot of interceptions, but you know, now he's kind of gone by the wayside. He's not like all world safety anymore. Um, so some aging talent, they addressed a lot of needs in that secondary in the draft. They got two, they went back to back, uh, safety and corner in the second round. Cause they didn't have a first round pick with Jaquan Brisker out of Penn state and Kyler Gordon out of Washington. I like Brisker a lot. Gordon, I wasn't as high on, but yeah, there's just not a lot here in terms of pass rush in terms of, you know, being able, they want to run this new, the, the Tampa two, right. I mean, that's what Matt Eberflus did in Indianapolis. That's what they want to run to run that Tampa two and the two high safety show. You got to have good, good linemen to be able to hold up four down. You can't be blitzing all the time. You just can't be doing it. I don't know. It, it just seems like rough go ahead for this guy who's a defensive wizard, but I mean, I, I don't have a ton of confidence in them right now. Number three, uh, I went Detroit and for reasons of this, I think sneaky thing about Detroit, they don't really have a good pass rush. They're really Aiden Hutchinson is they're going to be heavily relying on Aiden Hutchinson. A lot of guys just haven't worked out for them. I do like some of their D linemen, like Michael Brockers, Ali McNeil, some guys like that. But I think the sneaky part of Detroit's team, I think they got a sneaky, good secondary. I really do believe that. I think they got two really solid safeties and Deshaun Elliott comes over from Baltimore and Tracy Walker. I mean, Tracy Walker, I think is on the cusp of being a pro bowl safety. I really do believe that he's really developed very, very nicely as he's gone along. So I like him a lot. Mike Hughes comes over. He'll play the nickelback position. I think that's a great addition for them. Jeff Okuda has got to play like he's a, he's a top five pick in the draft, which he totally should have never been, but he's got to be better. And, and, and so that's where I'm at with them. They have some pass rush. They got the Okwara brothers. I like some of the guys they've drafted on the D line, like on Muzarike and, and Ali McNeil and others, 
but you know, there's still so much development that has to take place. So that's why I had them at number three. Uh, number two, really close, really close between these two, Green Bay and Minnesota. I'll, I'll, I'll break it down just by uh, by position group first. And I, I just want to say I, I like Minnesota's D-line better. I think they get after the quarterback, and now the addition of Zadarius Smith will really make it difficult for teams to have to deal with them. Remember, second in the league in sacks last year with Minnesota Vikings, and now they add Zadarius Smith. Okay, They're fourth in the league in third down defense, fifth in the league in turnover differential. This was a good defense. How does the loss of Mike Zimmer, how do they deal with that? Uh, I will get to that in coaching because I do think they have a plan. But I have the number two. Uh, for reasons being, I don't think their secondary is as highly rated. I think Green Bay and Minnesota are pretty much equal at the linebacker position. Um, I like Kendricks and I like Gordon Hicks, um, but I think it's equal to what Green Bay has. And then the secondary is where I have concerns, but I thought they did a good job of addressing it. I, you're going to love Lewis Seen, the kid they drafted out of Georgia. Oh my gosh, just an absolute hammer from the safety position. Could be a big time monster back box safety, really fun player to watch. And Andrew Booth, they drafted out of Clemson, I thought was a great pick for them in the second round. Good value. I thought he was better than Kai Elam, to be quite honest with you. So I think they've drafted that. Patrick Peterson's still back there. Cam Dantzler's still back there. Veteran-laden safety um, and corner position. Harrison Smith, obviously, uh, one of the better safeties in this league. Um, I do think that they do need to uh, get better, though, at that position a little bit. But in terms of you know pass rush and and and, and D line, I, I do like them. But I went Green Bay number one, and and the reason being is I think overall this team is loaded at a lot of positions. Um, you know Kenny Clark, Jerron Reed. They drafted Devonte Wyatt, who you know you look at Devonte Wyatt, and I'll tell you just about him really quick. The rookie uh, out of Georgia, undersized defensive tackle, can play the three and five technique, but can pass rush from the three technique, which is a very rare trait. Do we know any other undersized three techniques and five techniques undersized coming out of college that can pass rush from the three technique? I could think of one right now. He's the best player on the planet on defense, and his name's Aaron Donald. Now, I'm not saying Devontae Wyatt is Aaron Donald, but he has those same similar features Aaron Donald had coming out. He only dropped because he was an off-the-field uh, head case a little bit there. But really, the, the secret lies, they got Devondre Campbell. They drafted Quay Walker. They'll be better at defending the run. They have to be. They were not good at defending the run last year. But their secondary is really good. I mean, there's a really good secondary. They've got five guys. They're five. Stokes and Roswell Douglas play in the corner. Jair Alexander can play nickel and corner. I think Jair Alexander is the top five corner in the league. I mean, he's just that good. And then Darnell Savage has developed into a real nice free safety. Adrian Amos uh, is also back there too. They're they're not as deep, I think, but they're, they're, they're five. They have five guys back there that you can really, really rely on. Another guy in the pass rush, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary in the pass rush are really going to cause a lot of problems. I think this is a good defense that can be just as good as it was last year. I think they will rely on the defense and the run game this year more than anything. So I want Green Bay number one. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be spoilers before I get to it, but that's, I mean, that's the same list for me too. I mean, I think, nice. again, I, I, you know, we said it was a little tight, but I think it was how we've categorized some of these where there was a clear cut bottom half and there's a clear cut top half and you just had to figure out how you were going to sort them. You know what I mean? There was a one, two, I don't know where they're going to go and a three, four, you didn't know where they were going to go. And we happen to fall on the same side of it all. So again, Chicago four, like not a lot, not a lot happening there. 
Detroit, again, what you said about Detroit, I agree. Like they, they had moments last year, but it felt like, again, that defense really thrives off of the effort and what Dan Campbell gets out of these guys that they're willing to just, they're willing to, to go after it versus having really solid names on the roster and, and a really beefed up roster. Again, Aiden Hutchinson, huge, obviously, but you know, some guys that need to kind of get the most out of them uh, in order for them to, to get above to uh, where they were last year. Um, and Minnesota, number two, I, I, I think the big difference maker is what you, you pointed out was the secondary. I mean, again, you have a guy in Jair Alexander, uh, comparing Jair Alexander to Patrick Peterson. Like, you know I mean? If I'm looking at guys yeah. who you think is your number one, we talk all the time about how fast corners can decline in this league. Patrick Peterson's been doing it a long time. So he's not on a rapid decline, but it feels like we are getting to like Stefan Gilmore stages with Patrick Peterson where I think Patrick going- Peterson's past that. I think he's just yeah. been too grabby. I think Gilmore has at least performed, but he just hasn't been on the field. Patrick Peterson, I think is his best days are behind him. Yeah. And so like I said, but, and then all around from the safety positions, Adrian Amos and, and, and Savage, like you said. So I, I think that they are such a well-rounded defense and it's where they want it. You know, it's what they had to do when they had, so we're going to pay Rogers, but we can't pay Adams. So we're going to go and we're going to use these two baller running backs that we have. And we want to take care of the football on offense. And we want to have a stellar defense. We're going to keep, we're going to keep the pieces that we tried to add for the, the playoff push last year, since we can't keep Adams or to keep most of those guys let go and injured Zedaria Smith go who, again, who he's coming off injury for, for Minnesota. So he's, I mean, he's, if he can get back to where he was or even 80% of what he was, it's great, but you never know how guys are going to respond coming off an injury like that. So I think they are well-rounded all three layers of that defense. So you have to put them uh, at the top. Yeah. I mean, they just have a couple of things that they do a little bit better than the Vikings. One of them third and turnover differential. And honestly, you look at the turnover differential and you say, okay, that's because they have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> the guy yeah, doesn't throw it. It's such a hard thing to repeat. I mean, that's that's right. a hard. That's not a sticky stat, as what they right. say, like year to year repeatable sticky stat. As far as the defensive side of it, yeah, again, mm-hmm. Rodgers clearly has proven that he can do it on the offensive side. Right, exactly. But I do think they need to improve in the rushing game, and they got better than with the drafting of Quay Walker. And, and, and adding that in, I think that's a huge sign for them because they need to get that rush defense better. It's just not very good. Minnesota and them were tied for 30th in rush defense. And I thought they did a little bit of a better job of addressing it than Minnesota did. Yeah, I mean, again, everybody was, was you know, calling for them to take a wide receiver in the first round as they haven't done it in uh, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they said, uh, we have two picks. Maybe let's take two guys from one of the best college defenses of all time. Like <laughs> let's take two guys from Georgia from last year who had one of the most insane runs. Like I think it's going to help our defense going forward. Yeah. I think that's going to be pretty good. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, they got Devontae Wyatt might be the best player from that Georgia defense. There's a good chance that he definitely could be. That. I know people say Jordan Davis and, and, and Trayvon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, you watch. I mean, he really could and perfect for that defense. Perfect for that defensive line. Packers low key. Like we've talked about defensive lines, Bills, Eagles, Ravens. Those are some of our favorites. Packers might be on that list. They really might be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go to coaching again. It's kind of by default that, you know, we're putting who we're putting here more than likely, but we do have a second year guy and we have two first year guys on this list. So I am interested in where those chips may fall after our first guy, because to me, I mean, I would be surprised if you didn't have Matt LaFleur at number one. He's won like 83% of the games that he's coached in. 
Um, so that's number one for me, but how did you have uh, the rest of it? Yeah, so we can go through like that. We have LaFleur number one, and I know that we don't have our boy Dan Campbell any lower than number two. There's no way, no way. We're, we're putting Dan Campbell biting kneecaps off <laughs> below a couple first-year guys. I thought about it for a second because I thought about putting him over my number three guy, Kevin O'Connell, because he gets what? The McVay treatment. He gets mm. he gets the new guy treatment. And again, just in today's NFL, if I'm ranking head coaches, I'm I still want my head coach to be an offensive guy. I'd rather take the offensive head coach because then he stays longer. If you have the good, if your offensive mastermind is the offensive coordinator, guess what? He's a year or two away from just being a head coach for somebody else. But if you have a really good offensive mind as your head coach, you can keep him there for as long as you want him there, as long as you, until you want to let him go. So you keep Kevin O'Connell in that, you know, as your head coach and, and you run with it. Eberflus, man, does he have the card stacked against him here? I mean, new ownership change, new coaching change, like quarterback that they drafted last year very highly and traded a lot of uh, draft capital for to get that you kind of feel like you have to make work now, even if he wasn't your guy. So he's not walking into a great situation in Chicago. Not at all. Not at all. A couple of things, though, and I know that coaching, sometimes we go with the rooms. So I do want to address the rooms as well. The one thing that the Packers, the Packers were awful, awful in the special teams last year. And they bring in Rich Passaccia to come and coach the special teams uh, after he spent the year interiming as the Raiders head coach. That's a great hire. I mean, that's a really really great hire. That's the one thing they need to address. And yes, they lose Nathaniel Hackett and they lost a couple other guys, but man, I, yeah, I know. Right. Um, But I do think that they can get this going. Joe Barry is back as the defensive coordinator. I thought that's really good. They were much better under him than they were Mike Pettin. That's why I have them and and LaFleur. I think, you know, it'll be different to how he coaches this year, but I do think that obviously we have to have them number one. I did have Dan Campbell number two, uh, as for all the reasons you said, biting kneecaps and the rest of it. Dan Campbell technically is an offensive coach considering he was a tight ends coach for a long time. But, you know, I, I more so put it up to the idea that he's a developmental coach. I like their defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn. I thought he figured some stuff out last year at the end of the year. They were a horrible pass defense. Just their passing defense was horrible. But adding to Sean Elliott, seeing if they can develop some of these guys a little bit better, I think that'll be a, a big difference for them in, uh, in, in getting better on defense. Uh, O'Connell, I have number three. That's, that's a great thing. And here's the reason. So O'Connell not only comes over from McVeigh, and of course, anybody who has, you know, held McVeigh's, you know, hand gets a, gets a coaching job. You know, I mean, like that's pretty much it. I was trying to go somewhere without going somewhere. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, so, but O'Connell, I do think I've heard a lot of good things at a Vikings camp, but they hire Ed Donatel as a defensive coordinator. Now you may not know who he is, but Ed Donatel has been the right hand man for the last five, six years of Vic Fangio. Uh, he was with them in Chicago when he was the defensive coordinator. He was one of his coaches there. He was a uh, defensive assistant when he was with Denver the last few years. So uh, this guy has been in the NFL for 42 years coaching defense. I think it's a great addition. I think that's the type of guy that you want coaching your defense. That's not going to let the toughness factor go what Zimmer had. I think Donatel's a really good head, really good defensive mind. And then Eberflus, it really doesn't matter on Eberflus. They're not going to be able to play defense on, in, in his in his scheme. 
what matters is Justin Fields. Does he get better? So they bring in Luke Getze uh, to come coach here. And Getze was a loss for the Packers as well. Getze has been coaching under Nathaniel Hackett and LaFleur. And Getze also coached with uh, at Mississippi State was the only year that he was the offensive coordinator. The scheme, we just don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they did a they did a lot of downfield passing at Mississippi State with when he was there, and that's the strength of Fields is his downfield passing ability. He's also got really good speed. Do they do a little more RPO stuff like how they were doing in Green Bay last year? You know, they started doing that a little more. They're running the zone run scheme. It's a Shanahan style offense. Are they going to implement that? Can they implement that with the offensive line that they have? There's just so many holes in this team. I just can't see how fields it, it may come down to fields may have to force himself out of Chicago. If they can't get it right, they can't rebuild the roster. They only have like three years to do it. He may just, he may be a great value pick for somebody later down the line. If it doesn't work out with the Chicago bears. Yeah. Justin Fields is going to have to go full NBA uh, to get himself <laughs> out. Uh, Literally <laughs> going full. We all want to trade and then nobody's, nobody's going to get, traded apparently but i i did see you know i'm I'm moving on to kevin Durant and kyrie every time but oh my gosh yeah i mean justin fields again i think is one of these guys that we're just he's gonna stick around just out of his athletic talent and then it's gonna be like well have we given him a fair shake it's kind of like how daniel jones is like still like have we given this guy a fair shake he's had a new head coach and offensive coordinator for every year that he's had like we haven't given him no consistency and all the injuries so it's like he's gonna be one of those guys that we're still trying to figure out like you're four or five because if he's just playing on a team that is absolutely decimated with no other talent on the roster like how can he really show what he what he has he can't (laughs) that's that's the whole thing and i think he'll maybe end up in the situation like baker's ended up in where you know they'll oh there's a new hot young quarterback that's available or you know a quarterback comes available on the market uh that's the way it goes so all right, man. I mean, that's, you know, I think we, this was a really easy division to be honest with you. And, and I think Green Bay and Minnesota, I have some thought that Detroit, if they develop can definitely push for this. Um, I'm starting to look at Minnesota though, in a different light. You've convinced me a little here after this week. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a team that we've, I get, yeah, I feel like you were super high on them last year. No, I was. I, 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 you know, so I feel like I, I was jumping, I'm jumping onto your bandwagon a little bit now with some of the, some of the changes they made and we've made this team a little more modernized We've gotten rid of Zimmer. So there's, you know, as soon as you have that entire culture change and again, really offensive change, like there's a lot more potential. There's some unknown um, that you can kind of buy into. And I, we're definitely, I, I think we're, we're buying into it a little bit on this, this sh- on this show, on the Sunday card. We're on, definitely the, buying in. on the Sunday card, we are buying in. Have you bought in? Uh, have you thought about anything? Because I, I know we never really addressed a lot of the MVP talk. We did a little bit. I know you said Josh Allen was one of your things. I got to be honest. I, I'm starting to, to watch more, you know, film and, and just see where the quarterbacks are at and what their situations are. And I got to be honest. I think our guy Lewis is onto something with this Lamar Jackson thing. I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to think, Lewis. I've been watching some more Lamar Jackson. I think it might not be a bad bet to take him 20 to to? I know he's got Rashad Bateman. I like Rashad Bateman, but I don't know if he's going to be able, I guess he doesn't have to put up the the, the outstanding passing numbers because he's going to have all the rushing. I mean, if he has over a thousand rushing yards and then he can do what? 
30, 3,500 passing yards. I mean, that's probably enough to get the job done. And, and if he has 40, you know, 40 to 50 all per, you know, total touchdowns between rushing and passing. I mean, yeah. I, I can see I, it. I see it. I mean, who was he thrown to back in 2019? Yeah. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. I mean, come on. You saw the the, the big network didn't even have him in the top 10. It's like, yes, they're setting the That was not right. For it that was be, not right. No, that it's completely wrong. So that's the real reason that the value's got to be through the roof. He's got no one to throw to. And Mark Andrews would probably have a good 12 touchdowns this year, 15 touchdowns, maybe. Uh, Mark Andrews should have close to 130 targets this year. Yeah. 130 to 140 Literally. targets this year. They don't have a lot of things. I, I pull up the position rankings and when we had uh, where we had the Ravens dead last. Yeah. I mean, there's just nobody. I mean, there's just Bateman, Duvernay, Proche, Tylen Wallace, and then three tight ends. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I I, I got to believe, man. I, I'm starting to get that Ravens fever that we get every summer that ends up coming up. You look at the roster, they're going to be – they they were 8-3 last year before he goes down. They lose six in a row to end the season, and five of those six games they lose by three points or less. Three of those six games they lost by one point to Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and the Rams. And they lost all of their running backs before we even played week yes. one of the regular season. Like they lost all of them. They had to play with, they, they brought all of the retired guys, uh, current boxing uh, amateur Le'Veon Bell was playing for them last year. Ring the bell. Uh, so, I mean, if they can keep the second most important part of their offense, which is like their multiple threat running backs outside of Lamar, then yeah, like I, they should have a lot more success this year, along with that defense that we agree is just nasty. Killer, killer. Oh, I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> they, they, we're getting into we're we are getting into season shape. Really OTAs are. have already started for us. I mean, this has That's, been OTAs. Yes, operating systems are online. Let's freaking go! I love it, uh, Maddie. We get to the NFC South next week. Uh, your former, your namesake's former division, mm. um, he is gone. But we get to talk about Tom Brady next week. How much fun is that? That's your favorite thing to do. Woo! <laughs> it is your number one thing that you have done ever since the dad night. Can we do two separate shows? Can we just do one show and we'll just do full bucks talk? And then another show, we'll do the positional breakdown. Well, we could do two next week. I'm cool that we'll, we'll schedule it in. I know that's what you want to do. I, and deep in your heart, I, I know that's what you want. And then, you know, we'll put it out and then Gronk will come back and then we'll have to do it again. And then, you know, Edelman will come out and play. And it'll be just the whole Tampa Bay Patriots. It's just, yeah, you know. He, Tito agrees. He jumped up right as he said Tom Brady. Tito, Tito's T. B12, Tito B12. There you go. That's what I like to see. Good job, Tito. Way to stay on the right team. All right, all right, all right. Let's end the show before we get off the rails, Willis. Uh, Lewis, have a great week, man. Enjoy it. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you guys soon. Excellent. Matty Ice, you're the best there ever was. We'll be back next week, right? Always. We're always going to be back. Always going to be back. Shout out little uh, NHL free agency. I want to be – wouldn't be the, the hockey guy if I didn't say it. 
Vinny Trotrek, welcome to the Big Apple, welcome to the Big City, uh, and then uh, old Johnny Ham and Cheese making his way to Columbus, catching catching almost. Which I thought about this too. We could equate this to the NFL show. Johnny Hockey, by all means, got the bag, got a really good contract in the NHL. Over the course of his seven-year deal, he won't make as much as Patrick Mahomes makes in the next two seasons. That's I believe he will make about. $20 million less than Patrick Mahomes does in the next two years versus Johnny Hockey's seven-year, $9.8 million a year contract, which is we're just two different sports. Could have played football, man. Could have played. <laughs> Actually, he probably could not. I mean, no, he I would be say, like, he is, he's not a hockey guy that could transfer at all. He no. is, he's a little water bug out there. Yeah, he would be like the Danny Woodhead of the NFL again. Like, that's basically what he would be. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. As always, we'll see you next week for the AFC South edition. Until then, have a great week and continue to listen to the Sunday Car. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbrick, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.